Welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers and spiritual entrepreneurs to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and join our crystal movement. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals. In today's show, I'm going to be talking about the five best crystals for shadow work. Now, maybe you've not heard of shadow work before. Maybe this is something that'll be brand new to you, or maybe you've heard the term, but you're not quite familiar with it, or perhaps you're even a pretty advanced shadow worker yourself. Well, I'm going to introduce this concept of shadow work, kind of demystify it for you a little bit, and then tell you about my five favorite crystals in my own personal shadow work practice and how you can work with each. But before we get started, I'd like to answer one of our listener questions. Remember, you can submit your own questions anytime at loveandlightschool.com slash ask for the chance to have your question answered right here on the show. So today's question is a little bit lengthy and it was submitted anonymously, um, but I'm going to read the whole thing in its entirety because there are some really good points made here, even though a lot of this is a comment, it does still end in a really great question and I think the background is important. So here it goes. This person says, I have struggled with introducing too many crystal energies and not paying attention to the subtle benefits of adopting a crystal routine, instead rushing on to the next crystal experience. I'm beginning to understand that more is not always better. You can miss the magic of what's being offered. I'm learning that working with crystal energy requires one to work with a focus, patience, and the natural rhythms of mother nature. Example, working with a crystal for full moon cycle, paying attention to the ebb and flow of energy, the way that crystal affects you at different periods during this cycle. Doing this would give you a more complete understanding of what you can achieve together. Example, you start working with rose quartz during the waning moon phase and you experience feeling very emotional and unsettled. Then you decide to never work with that stone again because it made you feel bad. In fact, the crystal is doing exactly what it's meant to do during this moon cycle, releasing heart-based emotions. If you had picked up that same crystal for the first time during the waxing phase of the moon, you might have had a very different experience with the same crystal, a more nurturing, supportive, uplifting experience. I've heard that working for a full three cycles of the moon fully establishes the healing benefits of working with that crystal. All this to say, I would like to know your ideas or experiences to get the most out of your crystal work. So this question and comment raises some really important points. So first and foremost, quite often we do get distracted by shiny object syndrome. We pick up a crystal, work with it for a few days, and then we're, you know, drawn in by another stone and try to work with that. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with switching it up frequently. But if you really want to get to know a crystal, if you want to get to know it, at its core and how it works with you energetically and really understand it more than you can get from reading a book or watching a YouTube video. 
then you do need to develop a relationship with it. You do need to work with it for a little bit more extended period of time instead of just rushing off to the next thing. So I've also heard this concept of working with a crystal for a full moon cycle, which is of course about a month's time, or even the three cycles of the moon approach. I personally think that yes, go ahead, you can work with a crystal for three cycles of the moon, but I feel like you get to know it a little bit quicker than that in most instances. But keep in mind, not only is your experience of working with the crystal influenced by the moon's energy, of course, because we're influenced by the moon's energy, but your experience will also be impacted by whatever's happening in your life or in the world right now. We are not separate from our surroundings. We're not separate from those around us. We are connected to our experiences and to the things that are happening around us. So I've definitely, you know, had people express some discomfort when working with a particular crystal and they think it's that stone and they go, oh, I'll never work with that stone again. When in all actuality, it could just be the circumstance of what's happening. So there are a few things to kind of consider when you're working with your crystals before you really make up your mind about them in this way. First, just be mindful and present and really think about what's going on for you in your life before you decide you're never going to work with Moldavite again or you never want to touch another lapis lazuli crystal. I think sometimes we're a little too quick to kind of turn our power over to something outside of ourselves when, in fact, a lot of our experience comes from within. So think about your own headspace, what was going on for you at this time in your life, And really think critically about what this crystal was bringing up for you. A lot of times we don't realize that an experience that we perceive as being negative is actually there for our own personal growth. And I think this ties in so perfectly to our topic of shadow work today. But to get back to the original question here, how do you get the most out of your crystal work? How do you really get to know your stones? There are a few things that I recommend. So this does tie in a little bit with Another question that I get often, which is, why are there so many differences in opinion about which crystals do what? Why does one book that say that amethyst is good for this, this, and this, and another book or video or resource says something completely different? Well, each person is writing about their own subjective experience with crystals, even myself as a crystal author. All I can really go on when I'm sharing about crystals is historical reference, my own personal experience through meditation, dream work, healing work, and the experience that I have when working with clients. So all of these things kind of contribute and factor into what we would consider to be the properties of a stone. But that's not the end-all be-all because this is subjective. It is unique and different for everyone, which is part of the beauty of working with crystals. And that's why I always really encourage my students to kind of get in there and play with their stones, get a little messy, have a true experience rather than always just relying on the word of someone else. So try meditating with your crystals, paying attention to how you feel physically in your body, what parts of your body are drawing your attention, thinking about how a crystal makes you feel emotionally, thinking about how a crystal makes you feel more or less connected to spirit. 
what's really present and alive for you when you're working with that stone, whether that be through dream work, meditation, crystal grids, crystal layouts, elixirs. It doesn't really matter the method of working with that crystal energy. Just be mindful and present to how that energy is affecting you. And the great thing about this is that there are no right or wrong answers here. One thing that can be really helpful is to keep a journal of your experiences. Some people might call this kind of a crystal grimoire, but really this is just a place to reflect and look back for patterns and common threads about how that stone works with you. And this is so much more valuable and important than anything you'll read in a book or anything you'll learn from a YouTube video. I think that all of those resources make great starting points when you're just getting started with crystals, but ultimately you should feel empowered to go out there and have your own experiences. Now, one thing that's pretty cool to try out is after you've been working with a crystal for a few weeks, and I do think a full moon cycle is a great amount of time. It's kind of a perfect amount of time to really get to know a crystal pretty intimately and have enough you know, for lack of a better word, data to go on to really understand that stone. So you can go back through the notes in your crystal journal and really think about this crystal overall and the impact that it's had on you over the previous moon cycle. And then go to one of your favorite crystal resource books and look up the meaning that that author has shared and see where there are commonalities. A lot of times we'll find that people do have very similar experiences with the same stone. But again, your experience is the most important because that's how that crystal works with you. So if you find that it's something completely different for you, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's something to be celebrated. So I would really encourage you, if you're new to crystal work, don't hesitate to get started with this. And if this is something you've never done before, even if you're a longtime crystal worker, I would encourage you to do the same. Pick out a beautiful journal that really inspires you that you'll feel like you can take some time to write in at least a few times a week when you sit down to work with your stone. And really focus on relationship building with crystals. Get to know each stone individually. And again, thinking about this in terms of your body, your mind and emotions, and your spirit? Well, thank you so much for that great question. And again, if you have a question you'd like me to answer for you about crystals, spirituality, or anything else you're curious about right now, let me know over at loveandlightschool.com ask. And now it's time to dive into our main topic for the day, the five best crystals for shadow work. So like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I'd be a little remiss if I didn't at least do an introduction to shadow work. This is definitely not a completely inclusive definition of what shadow work is or can be, but hopefully it kind of will get the wheels turning so you understand this as a starting point. We're currently approaching Samhain, the time of the year when the veil is the thinnest and we move into the dark half of the year. Samhain is a Celtic fire festival that initiated the Celtic New Year. And this is a time for kind of withdrawing inward. And it's not just the ways that we withdraw from the world and start to spend more time indoors, enjoying the warmth of our home as the weather turns colder, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, but it's also about how we start to reflect upon our own inner world. 
the colder months, the darker months, create this kind of space. And this does stem a little bit from agricultural cycles of the year when there was less work to be done, more planning to be done, more time to think and ponder our place and role in the world. But ultimately, this is the time for getting comfortable with the darkness and really beginning to follow the flow of the earth's natural cycles. This is the perfect time for shadow work. Now, shadow work is a journey inward to reclaim both the darkness and the light within you. We so often hear of light workers, but rarely do we hear of shadow workers. Shadow work helps you gain an intimate understanding of your inner self. And it's the conscious undertaking, the conscious choice to explore this dark interior realm of the subconscious mind and all of the hidden thoughts and feelings as well as the wounds that reside there. So in kind of a modern spiritual sense, shadow work is about uncovering and exploring the parts of yourself the patterns that hold you back and ultimately prevent you from living in your authentic truth and joy. These parts of yourself are created over time through social conditioning, your personal fears, and trauma and wounds that have been inflicted upon you by others from your childhood to the present day. So sometimes people ask how shadow work is the same or different as inner child work. And Really, shadow work is about addressing all of this darkness that you have, all of the wounds and traumas and triggers stemming from your childhood, which would overlap with inner child work, but into adulthood, into the present day. Now, these shadow aspects of your personality, as I mentioned, are created when you have some traumatic emotional response to something that was deemed negative. And this is usually something that's deemed negative by others, which then makes you reflect and see this as negative within yourself. So to cope, your subconscious mind takes this part of your psyche and locks it away in the shadow realm. Now, shadow work is this spiritual work of uncovering and reacquainting yourself with the parts of yourself that you've been made to feel are unacceptable. Maybe someone told you that you're just too much when you've tried to stand up for yourself. Maybe someone has made you feel unwanted by not reciprocating love and compassion that you were sharing. All these discarded parts of yourself that you've locked up and hidden away because others have deemed them unsuitable or negative are relegated to the shadow realm. So this idea and concept of shadow work is about the conscious reintegration of these aspects as part of your whole self. This isn't about fixing yourself or overcoming faults or flaws. This is about recognizing and appreciating that all of these parts create you and your whole self and who you are. So your shadow self and your light self are two halves to one whole. You can't have one without the other. So reintegrating and reuniting these dual aspects of yourself is so important for balance and alignment, which is ultimately the goal of a lot of the healing work that we do. After all, both of these pieces are part of you and they both contribute to the uniqueness of who you are. They're both part of your personal story. So your shadow is a necessary part of your being 
And at this time of year, as we approach Samhain, it becomes time to really walk the path of shadow and illumination. So perhaps you are new to this concept, or maybe you're a little familiar, or maybe you're really deeply immersed in this work already. No matter where you're at, shadow work helps you get to know yourself better than ever before. And healing crystals can be an incredibly helpful support during your shadow work practice. So let's dig into my five favorite crystals for shadow work. Now I do want to mention here that I have an amazing new video that I just released about this topic. You can view it on my YouTube channel or over on the blog at loveandlightschool.com. So you can just check out the five best crystals for shadow work and you'll see kind of a video of some of this information that I hope will really inspire you to work with these stones in your shadow work practice. The first crystal I'd like to discuss is black moonstone. Now this crystal is deeply connected to the energy of the dark goddesses who are typically associated with shadow work, especially Hecate, Baba Yaga, and Kali. These goddesses are often feared because they're perceived as being negative when in fact they actually often represent transformation. Now black moonstone can assist you during times of uncomfortable change as both an emotional and energetic support, which makes it a great companion for shadow work. It's also a stone of empowerment, and it's linked to the archetypes of the maiden, mother, and crone, and the regular cycles that we go through in life. It's an excellent companion stone for times of rebirth or transformation, especially the spiritual rebirths that are so often facilitated through shadow work. Black Moonstone reveals to you your identity as it's seen by the divine. And when you can view yourself with compassion, with deeper wisdom and understanding, and see the wholeness of your story rather than how it's become fragmented, it can really facilitate a connection between your light side and your shadow side. And this crystal is especially powerful for use during ritual or ceremony related to shadow work and particularly during the dark and new moon phases. Black moonstones also related to all forms of growth, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, and it can help keep you energetically protected during major life transitions and times of growth so that you can re-emerge safe, supported, and whole on the other side of your journey. Another crystal that I like to incorporate into my shadow work practice is black obsidian. And this crystal isn't really a crystal, it's a mineraloid, but it assists you in finding the deeper meaning in your shadow aspects. So it helps you kind of unlock some of the symbols and insights presented by your shadow side during your shadow work so that you're better able to integrate these aspects of yourself back into the light. And a great way to do this is through the art of crystallomancy, which is this form of scrying divination with a crystal ball. And this really engages your subconscious mind through the act of journeying and visualization into the realm of shadow. And this is something that I teach kind of step-by-step how to do in my new class, Crystals for Shadow Work. And you can also learn more about that class at loveandlightschool.com slash shadow work. 
Next is black onyx, and I think this is a really important one that a lot of people don't necessarily associate with shadow work, but I think anytime you're doing this kind of deep emotional work, it's really important to keep yourself grounded and centered, and black onyx really helps with this. It helps promote that feeling of safety and security that comes when you're grounded and centered. It's also a stone of stability and calm. So if you start to feel overwhelmed while you're processing through something meaningful in your shadow work practice, hold on to this stone, take some deep breaths, and work through the feelings. The stone's also connected with the dark goddess Persephone, who was queen of the underworld, who moves between the realm of light and shadow each year. Next up is Lapis Lazuli. Now, the Sumerian goddess Inanna was said to wear a lapis necklace, and she also carried long wands of lapis that she used to measure the length of a person's lifetime. Throughout time, people have associated lapis with other worlds, and in one ancient Babylonian myth, the goddess Ishtar, which is the Babylonian version of the Sumerian goddess Inanna, adorned herself from head to toe in lapis to prepare herself for her passage into the underworld. Now these lapis adornments proved useful as she must give them up in exchange for passage through each of the seven gates of the underworld, a journey that ultimately leads to her ascension and rebirth. So work with lapis when you're ready to heal your wounds and rise from the realm of shadow to reclaim your power, just as Inanna and Ishtar did. Lapis is a stone of spiritual mystery, and it helps you to better understand your shadow side. Now, although the shadow self is often ignored, by consciously working with it, you can really bring about great personal growth. So Lapis helps you tap into your shadow side and begin this journey of self-discovery. Finally, there's selenite. Selenite is great for clearing out the energy of old wounds that have been healed or released during your shadow work practice. It also helps assist you with clearing cords to people, places, energies, or experiences, as we learned a few weeks ago, that no longer serve you. Now, I can't wait for you to experience the growth and transformation that you can unlock with these shadow work crystals. These have been immensely important in my own shadow work journey, and I hope that they support you in a similar way. We each have something so important to contribute to the world. And the world really needs your gifts, but you can only shine your light and step fully into your path as a light worker once you've acknowledged your inner darkness and done your shadow work. So if you want to learn more about how to use these stones in your own shadow work practice, you can now enroll in my crystal shadow work masterclass, but it's only available until October 31st, until the evening of Samhain. So again, I'd encourage you to go check out the video that I made to accompany this podcast episode. You can find it on YouTube. Just visit my channel at youtube.com user slash crystal healer ashley l or you can do a quick google search for the five best crystals for shadow work and of course if you'd like to join me for my brand new crystal shadow work master class you can join me at loveandlightschool.com slash shadow work 
And now it's time for our trending this week segment. So in this segment each week, I bring you a quick discussion on something that's happening in the world of crystal healing and spirituality right now, or something that I'm just really loving that I want to share. And I really gave a lot of thought into this week's trending this week. Um, And what's really kind of alive and present for me is just spending time in nature soaking up every ounce of autumn goodness that I can get. So I would encourage you this week, rather than looking for something external, rather than looking for a thing that will move you forward on your spiritual path, take some time to really get present and reconnect with nature. Take a walk in the woods if you're able Take a moment to really look closely at the beautiful colors changing on the leaves of the trees. Notice the crispness in the air as it touches your skin. Enjoy a seasonal bonfire. Taste the sweetness and tartness of an apple from this season. Or maybe even enjoy some pumpkin carving. Whatever it is that helps you feel really alive and present in this autumn season, take some time to enjoy yourself. Well, that is it. I hope that you found a lot of value in today's show. If you want more information about anything I discussed in this episode, you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com blog. And if you did enjoy the show today, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave a quick rating and review over at loveandlightschool.com dot com slash iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe through that link as well so you never miss a future episode. And today I wanted to give a special shout out to Saltwater who left a five-star rating and a beautiful review. Saltwater says, incredible. Ashley is such an inspiration. This is exactly what I've needed to further my crystal healing career. So thank you so much for taking the time to leave me a little rating and review. I'm always so excited when I see a new one of these come in. It really makes my day. So thank you, thank you again. And if you'd like to leave your own review and help other people find the show, you can do that at loveandlightschool.com iTunes. And if you use another service to stream the podcast, you can check for the latest episodes at loveandlightschool.com listen. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you in our next episode. Until then, crystal blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. Visit us online at loveandlightschool.com.